Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Amen. So thinking about what to, to share on, on this uh, Stand Sunday, um, and we've just recently finished one of my favorite series so far was our true reality and you can get the teachings online if you would like on the grace life website or on soundcloud and um just in in, in sort of pre- praying about it i just felt the word or saw the word proximity pop up uh in on social media and i thought that's what what really this is about and um, proximity really is how close you are to someone like those in your area those in your area of proximity is those that you have influence over uh, and often as a community or as a, a Western culture, we want to often move away from problems. We go live in estates behind white picket fences and we have security and we have access codes and we distance ourselves from difficult places. We distance ourselves, and for good reason often, security, etc., um, from, from problems. And another picture that I had was really um, when, <coughs> what is the, the, the sort of the, the picture for the day you know by now that I give you a picture and then I write a sermon based on that, is really this picture of um, little, little plants that's been replanted. Okay? And that's really what foster care is. It is. It's children that's been taken out of one family and placed into another and often multiple times over. And if you plant, if you go to the nursery and you go and you get plants, those plants now need to be replanted in your garden. Amen? And then what do you do is you, you, you give them nice, new, fresh ground and you dig a hole, and you make a, um, a valiki, and you make sure there's enough water in there. And if you live in the Western Cape or the Eastern Cape, we were in uh, Port Elizabeth the other day um, visiting family, and the wind was something else. I mean, it's the windy city for a reason. And I just looked out the window, and I saw these small trees literally going like this in that 12 meters per second wind. And I was like, wow, that's rough. I mean... And you know, the, the life, life gives us winds, life gives us storms, life gives us difficulties. And now, even adding to that, that it's not a mature planting, and the, the, the tree, the plant's not rooted and grounded, there's storms, there's winds. And I really saw this picture of, in foster care, what my role is, and it's nice that I can speak about this in first person, is I am not the tree. I am the stand, I am the, the, the pole, I'm the, the, the support in the system and I'm just nurturing these little trees that's been replanted. I'm just supporting them in growth. I'm just supporting them through the winds of this world. I don't cause the problems that brought them to me. And guess what? I can't solve it. I cannot solve it. But what I can do is I can just support. I can just be there. And the thing is, you need to be close. You see, the stand needs to be close enough within proximity, within reach of the tree to see the tree grow and not blow over or blow away or, or just die. And that's really what we as Christians are called to. We are called to move into difficult places and hard circumstances instead of away from it. We're called to be in proximity. Then the sinners and the publicans drew near to Jesus. Near. Jesus went to where? He went to those lepers. The lepers were outside of the camp for a reason. Everyone said, get away because we don't want to be sick like you. Jesus says, come, I want to touch you. He, he came close into proximity. He came to touch the leper because as Christians, we are called to go 
not to wait for them to come. We are called to go to where the difficulties are. We are called to step into this world. In this world, you will have trouble. But guess what? There's some people with more trouble. So let's get into their worlds and let's, let's help them in this. So, I'm asking you some questions this morning. What do we have and enjoy that others don't? You know it wasn't going to be an easy Sunday, did you? What do we have? What do we enjoy? What are we used to that other people don't have? Family, for most of us. Not for all of us. Parents. Church. A home. Hot water. A shower. What are we doing with our privileged position? What are we doing with our privileges? People say, oh, Peter, my is privileged. I say, yes, I am. I'm not going to deba- debate about that. But what am I doing with it? I'm privileged for a reason. I've got education. I've got a, a good upbringing. I've got great family. I've got financial means. I can raise finances. I've got income potential. What am I doing with it? What am I doing with it in this nation? What am I doing with it in the kingdom? What are we doing with what we've got? Hebrews 13.5 says, Be content with what you have. Not content with what you don't have. Because why? He will never leave you nor forsake you. What do we do with God in us? We have become used to and acquainted with the realities that some have never, ever experienced. My sister is recently, it's not recently anymore, but she moved down uh, from Johannesburg and where she worked in Alexandra Township. Then she did a mission with uh, Doctors Without Borders and COVID in um, basically the rural Natal. And now she's working in Mitchell's Plain. She said, I don't need to go to Doctors Without Borders because there's so much trouble, so much misery, so much wrong just in the Western Cape. Now, yes, we're going to all the world, but we're also going from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. Wherever we go, there's mission. Wherever we go, there's problems. Amen? He makes us lie down in green pastures and still waters, but we don't stay there. We refresh there. And then we go out into the dry desert places, and we come back to be refreshed, and then we go out again. Amen? So, some examples from Scripture. Things that we're used to. Being rooted, grounded, and secure. The, re- the, the, the second part of Ephesians 3.17 says, being rooted and grounded in love. Now, that's as a church, that's obviously a spiritual truth, but I'm just bringing it down a bit practical today. That Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. Why? That you're being rooted and grounded in love. So, that's a spiritual reality. Now, I'm asking you, how does that manifest in the natural? Well, in our families, if we're Christ-centered, then we're being rooted and grounded in love, because God is love. Our relationships can be rooted and grounded in love. Now, I love this in 1 Corinthians 13, from the Passion Translation, says, Love is a safe place of shelter. Isn't that what church is, or supposed to be? <laughs> love is, God is, a safe place of shelter. And I love to use this verse when I do a, a, a wedding, because it says it believes all things, bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And it's not you, it's God in you. If Natasha and I weren't married, and if we did not have grace, the revelation of God in us, and what God did for us, Jordan and Bradley would not be with us right now. But because God in us, now God through us. Because God is love, and love is now in us, now our home has become a safe place of shelter. Now there's support. Now there's proximity. Now there is protection. Now there is potential. Amen? As Christians, we have potential. What is our potential? Our potential is Christ. Okay? 
our potential is Christ. So Jesus had the sinners, the lepers. I almost said the leprechauns. Jesus had the sinners, the publicans. He had the dead. He had the Romans, the enemy, come to him and said, the centurion, my servant, is sick. Why? Because he had potential. He had the potential to see people healed. They came to him when Lazarus was sick. He had the potential to, to raise him from the dead. Amen? And he spoke with that mindset. I read it this morning in John 11, where they said to him that Lazarus is sick, and he says, this will be in glory to God. And then they look at him, and I'm sure they're frowning, the disciples, and he says, he's only asleep. And they're like, yeah, Jesus, it's, you're one of that half-glass kind of fool guys, aren't you? Like someone told me the other day. And I was like, Jesus eventually says, okay, he's dead. Like, <laughs> but it's not a problem. Then he goes to Bethany, and he says, open the grave. And interesting, it's a, it's a cave with a rock in front of it. Super prophetic. And he says, roll away the stone. And then they say, no, 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 he stinks. You see, Jesus goes into the mess. Jesus goes into the grave. Jesus opens the stench. He is not afraid. He's not intimidated by what is wrong with this world. He goes right into the chamosh, right into the stench. And he says, Lazarus, come out. You see, we don't go camp in the misery of the world, but we are willing and invited to go into the misery of the world and call those out of there. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love, into the glorious light. But guess what? Now we are enabled to shine our light, and guess where the light shines brightly is in the darkness. So we need to go into the darkness and help other people be translated into light. That is purpose. That is what we exist to do. And I want to show you, it doesn't just happen in Albania, even though it will there, but it can happen right in your home. It can happen at work. It can happen over lunchtime. It can happen sometimes you're on the receiving end, sometimes you're on the giving end. Sometimes you're going, sometimes you're sending. Sometimes you're helping others, sometimes you need help. That's family. And that's fine. That's okay. That's, that's why we're here. This is a safe place of shelter. I want Grace Life to be known as a safe place of shelter. Amen? Listen, Peter, I have a problem. People come to me with big problems. Amen? And then I think I'm going to fall over. And I said, okay, that's fine. Because I know what Jesus said. <laughs> I know what He's done. I know what He's paid. I know, I know the potential in those people. And just because they make a few bad mistakes doesn't take away the potential of Christ in them because His Word says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. They were slaves to righteousness, so no matter what they do, it will never change their state of righteousness, because our righteousness is not of ourselves, but we've been made the righteousness of God, where in Christ Jesus, that's our position. And yes, then we make mistakes, and, and we step into the mistakes of others, but we're not tainted by it. Amen? We don't get the leprosy, we heal the leper. We don't get the sickness, but we, we, we don't get death, we bring light. We bring life. We speak a word of truth, and someone will be set free. Amen? Love is a safe place of shelter. As Christians, we are called to move closer to difficult places and hard circumstances rather than away from it. We are called to help the vulnerable, to nurture the weak, because that is what love does. I don't know about you, I was vulnerable. I was weak. I was, I was a sinner. I was, I was downtrodden. I was miserable. I was depressed. I was considering suicide. And God got me. I was drunk when I got saved. The drunkest I've ever been in my life is the night I got saved. 
That's grace. Isn't that just the kingdom? Isn't that just who God is? Right there, when I made the worst decisions in my life, life shows up. You know what happened? I was at a rock show on New Year's Eve in Jeffreys Bay. And there was a band playing an Afrikaans song, and it says, Ek is fail, ek is stikkend, ek is gebroke, maak my heel weer. And you think God doesn't show up in those places. You think God is in steeples and, and in churches, buildings. No, God was there. I was crying like a baby because love found me in my lowest place. Love found me. I didn't find love. Love found me at a New Year's Eve party in Jeffrey's Bay. God is not intimidated by this world. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. And now we are partaking of the overcoming power, of the overcoming victory of Christ in us. Now, not just for us, but through us. Amen? We've been, uh, we, we've, we've been called to, to come closer like God in us wants to call and bring closer. That proximity, that support, that, that, that nurturing, if you will. Consider others. Philippians 2 says it's so beautiful. Consider others as more important than yourself. In foster care, people say, oh, but it's not moeilijk. Of course it is. Isn't it sad to say goodbye? Of course it is. We've had to do it twice. But that's not about us. We don't do it for us. We do it for them. When, one day that stand, when the tree grows, the stand is going to be replaced. It's going to be removed. It's about the tree. But I trust that those trees that we're nurturing will become supports in the next generation. That they will nurture a next generation. That they will change a next generation. That they will love as Christ has loved them first. And that's so important. We don't do this by ourselves. We do this because He's in us. Amen? We're invited to take a stand to help and assist the replanted, the nurtured, the, 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 the orphan, the widow, those in trouble, those who need care, those who need some extra love, extra TLC. Amen? And sometimes they're under our roof. Sometimes that's immediate family. Sometimes it's cousins or, or omas or whoever. But sometimes it's strangers. God spoke to me through that verse lately. It says, don't forget to entertain strangers. Because doing that, some of you have entertained angels. And what came to mind is the first day that we met Franku, the first son we took in. We were in a Strand Pavilion visiting with family who was on holiday there. Just the two of us went for a run on the promenade, came back, made brunch. Natasha was in the shower, her phone rang. And I saw it's a, not an unknown number, but a zero to one number. No, she won't answer it. If she doesn't know the number, she doesn't answer it. So I answered her phone. She's in the shower. And said, oh, it's Stelsorg. That's that phone call. The one you've been waiting for. And they said, we have a, a, a little boy, three and a half years old. He needs home. I said, okay, we have a home. That's why we signed up. That's why Ken Culture did our clearance. When? Like, we can get stuff ready, maybe month end, wait for salary to come in, buy a bed, whatever. No, this afternoon at 2 o'clock. Excuse me? No, the court is now. They've taken him from the family this morning. He needs the place to stay tonight. We don't know him. We don't know of him. We've just heard. We don't even... You know what they do? Gunther, they give you a name. When they give you a name, it's gone. <laughs> they give you a name, it's gone. How, a boy without a home, that's, that's one thing. But Franku, 
who's not going to have a home tonight. That's something else. So I said, well, my wife is just busy. I'll get back to you. We had 45 minutes at home. We went, we went back to Stelzorg. They said, you need to come straight here. We were sitting there. They said, we're going to court at 2. I'm like, there's, there's an hour. Can we get this hour? Can we go home? Can we get stuff ready? My parents were on holiday here, my parents-in-law. And they said, what can they do? I said, well, we've got a bed, no mattress. Toddler bed. So you can't just take a mattress. It needs to. I ran, assembled the bed, measured the bed, sent them the dimensions. They went to a foam company, cut the bed, mattress, came home. 45 minutes, we go to court. Before then, we meet this guy. The feeling when you sit there in a boardroom and you're going to meet someone who's going to stay with you and you don't know for how long, that you've never met, you've already said yes to. It's a stranger. And I will never forget that moment when he walked in. And you don't know what to expect. But you don't have to. Because God is in the situation. God is enabling us. God is making this possible. Not us. God is making it possible. And I mean, he was with us for three months. Or that was what we initially planned. And they said, can he stay longer? I said, he can stay as long as he needs to. And eventually he stayed for five months. And then we had to say goodbye. But for five months, he experienced Jesus. You saw him. He didn't know Jesus. He prayed when he left. I'm not sure if he still prays. I don't have, a, I don't have an influence anymore. But for five months, we did. And for five months, we made the most of every opportunity. Amen? And we're okay. I remember... Saying goodbye, that was the most terrible thing. Until God gets involved. It was a Sunday night, it was still lockdown, we were having online services. And I remember in my garage office, I did an online service, and the Sunday evening, and that Wednesday he would have gone, or that was the plan. And as I opened the back door, I just felt this release. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, Franco has a dad and it's not you. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> For five months... I've been this guy's dad and I've served him and I've loved him and now and you know what that's the Holy Spirit just a straight shooter he says he's got a family he's got a, he's got a father and it's not you you did what I called you to do you did what I asked you to do your part of this journey is done that tree is again going to be replanted thank you for keeping it alive if you will so that it can be replanted amen two boys with us now we don't know how long it's going to be that's the thing you say yes for now and you say yes for forever but you don't know What's going to happen? But we don't need to know because sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We don't need to know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't need to worry about the goodbyes if there's more in the future because we're not living there. We're living in the now. Now, we're supporting them. It's not about us. We are called to support. We are called to love because He first loved us. We are called to stand. We are called to love. John fifteen twelve. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Please get the order right. If I tell everyone here, go love people, you're all going to burn out. But as I have loved you, you can only give what you've received. As you receive the love of God... Now there's love for you to give. As you've received, as you're filled with His love, now there's love to overflow. So the new command is not love God and your neighbor with all your heart and all your, all your soul and all your mind and, and everything. No, the new commandment is let me love you. 
Let me love you until it overflows. Because 1 John 4 says, this is love. Not that you love God, but that He loved you first. This is true love. This is the definition of love. Now with that love, we can love others. With that love, we can overflow. With that love, it becomes effortless and there's no burnout because you can only give what you've got. So that's why taking in children is not for everyone because everyone doesn't have the capacity. Why don't we have 10 children currently? Because we don't have the capacity for that. Because we need to make sure our home is a safe place of shelter. Our relationship, my relationship with God, it still remains intact. It remains a priority because out of that flow only will I be a blessing to anyone else. If we just take everyone who needs a home, we will die. And we will probably get divorced. Whichever comes first. Life is real. Life is tough. Life is messy. Let's be real about it. Amen? Let's not be the super holy people who never get into the mess of life. Family is love. Isn't it? The highest expression of love is God, and God is family. God, Jesus comes on the scene and He introduces, the first thing He does is He changes the paradigm, and He says, now God is Father. God is Father. Daddy, Abba, what does the Holy Spirit do? If you want to listen to a sermon I did on Father's Day, I was considering doing it again, but felt not to, because you can go listen to it, is the spirit of adoption. The first thing the Holy Spirit does in your heart is say, you can call Him Daddy. Before miracles, before calling fire down from heaven, before raising the dead, call God Daddy. Because that, the beauty of that is that it's not that God needs it. God knows He's the Father. Amen? Anyone with me? But when you say Father or Daddy, you position yourself as a child of God. And that's why He gets so excited about it. Not because he needs the attention, because you need the identification. You need to know that you belong. And when you call him dad, you know, he knows that you know that you belong. It's all about you, by the way. It's all about you. God is all right. He's full of glory. He's complete. He's forever. He's eternal. We live to worship him. Amen. That's why we do mission. I love Shane shared this recently. He said the highest call and purpose of the church is not missions. It's worship. But because not everyone is worshiping, we're going on mission to get more people to experience God, to see His mercies, to overflow in worship. So missions is, is important, but it's not the highest thing. Missions is just inviting more people into the worship. And you know what? When I worship God... I get wet with the Spirit. When I worship God, I get empowered and I get enriched and I get stirred up. Like Gunther also noticed, it's, it's evident. Because it's, it's good news. It's identity. It's where I belong. It's who's loved me. I know who I am, but I know why. And it's not because of me. Definitely not. I told you where I ended with my decisions. But one day I said, this is enough now, God, now... I'm going to stop trying because I'm making a mess of this. Lord, I'm going to let you be God. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He is Lord, means you're not in command of your own life anymore. Otherwise, you're Lord. We say, yes, Lord. God says, take in a son. Yes, Lord. 
God says he's going home. Yes, Lord. It doesn't help you get him on a plane and you take him out of the country. That's trafficking. Amen. God still operates in this world, but he operates through us. He operates with us. He operates in us. Family is love. That's why God puts the solitude in families. Psalm 68.6 Now, John 13.35 By this are all men know that you are my disciples. How will they know? By how much of the Bible you know? How many Greek words you can translate? How many uh, people you've raised from the dead? No, by your love for each other. By your love for each other will people see that. The Amplified says from verse 34, I give you a new commandment that you should love one another just as I have loved you. So you should love one another. Second time Jesus speaks about this. Well, this is the first time. John 15 comes later, obviously. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, all people, if you love one another, if you keep showing love among yourselves. Isn't that so important? Just love and you can only give what you've got. You can only give what you've got. For God so loved the world that He gave what He had. A son. He gave Jesus. Now Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How often do we make that about us? I come to God, I need help. I come to God, I need grace. What about coming to God to get grace to help someone else? Because Ephesians 2 says that we are to consider others as more important than ourselves. We did that at the marriage enhancement conference or seminar. I don't know, what, what is a conference and what's a seminar and what's a course? It doesn't matter, it's good. If it's one night, it's a seminar. If it's three nights, it's a course. I'm not sure. <laughs> if it's a big venue, it's a conference. We have to receive not just for ourselves. Let's come to God to find grace to help in a time of need so we can help those in need. It's not you. It is, it is God that wants to live in you now wants to live through you. As He is, so are we where? In heaven, yes, but also in this world. 1 John 4.17 As He is, how is He? He's loving, He's, He's nurturing, He's kind. Now we're talking about this thing called proximity. And we're looking at how does that fit in to what we've got. Psalm 91 is really awesome. It says, When you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me, the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me, my great confidence. You see, the secret place, the dwelling, the, 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 under the shadow, it speaks about proximity. It speaks about closeness. It speaks about when you're in trouble, when the world falls apart, draw close to God. Now in the New Testament, we are one with Him in the Spirit, but not always in our minds, are we? We want to solve the problems of this world. We want to solve our financial issues. We want to make good decisions. But we can do it close in proximity with God. We can draw it under His shadow in that safe place of shelter. Verse 3, He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. And He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. Now I love this in the Passion. Verse 4 says, His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. Again, a personal story. A week ago, 
my mother-in-law is sitting with Jordan and she's going through a children's Bible at the dinner table. And there's a picture of Samson. I was so proud. And she says, Wie ist das? And I say, Dada. <laughs> I'm there in the kitchen, but I'm listening, you know, making coffee like this. Dada. And she pages on. And this is, sure, I wasn't planning on sharing this because I knew I'd cry. There's a picture of Jesus just embracing a child, like holding him so close. And she says, who's this? And he says, Dada. You see, we get to be Jesus for those in need. And only because Jesus holds me like that do I have enough in me to hold him like that. Only because God loves me do I have love to give to him. Only because I know how much God has done for me can I let that overflow. And guess what? Jordan is no longer a stranger. He was a stranger the day he arrived. Now he's an angel. Now he's a son. Now he belongs. Now he's, he's cared for. He's nurtured. This morning he was at home. He just raised his hand and started worshiping. Just by himself. He doesn't know what it means yet, but that is what he's experiencing. That is the love that is overflowing in him, around him. Because there's massive arms wrapped around him, protecting him, supporting him in the midst of the winds of this world. In the midst of the storm, there's a safe place of shelter. And while he cannot yet understand it in the spiritual, he can experience it in the natural. And he can grow up to be all that God has called and created him to be. In the midst of the storm that he did not create, but that he was born into. Why? Because glove is a safe place of shelter. You can run under the covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from home. Now what I want to really, what, what my prayer this morning, even on, in, in preparing this message was, it was not to put a heavy on you. It wasn't even to call you into foster care. It's nothing like that. I want you to experience God in this way. I want you to experience God as the safe place of shelter. As I have loved you. That's my job, is to get you to experience the love of God. Because if you get to experience the love of God, then only will you have the potential to look at sharing that with others. Please do not share that with others unless your cup is full. But once it's full, keep it flowing. Amen? As I have loved you, now love others. As I've embraced you, as I've come close to you, as I've, like even on the cross, there's two guys next to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't make it about Him. Isn't that amazing? He makes it about the guy next to Him. And He makes it about John and his mother. Consider others as more important than yourself. If there's one place to be self-centered, it's when you're in the middle of three crosses. Amen? But he doesn't, because he is abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. He knows his Father. He knows his identity. He knows where he belongs. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, again from the Passion, says, Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. That is prophetically spoken over you this morning. God is a safe place of shelter. God never stops believing the best in you. 
the best for you. And God never ever will take failure, your failure as defeat, because God love never gives up. Never. No matter how many times you make mistakes. Sometimes other people make mistakes that influence us. Amen? People say, Peter, what can I do about it? Nothing. Sorry. But God is still a safe place of shelter. God still has hope. God still cares. God still wants to love on you. Amen? Love is what God does. No, it's not what He does. It's who He is. Psalm 23 from the Passion Translation, verse 2 says, He offers a resting place for me in His luxurious love. I know this time of the year things are busy. It's, it's, it's crazy town. And guess what? We're going on mission in the busiest month of the year. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? When Franco was with us, I mean, all of a sudden there's a three and a half year old. Everything is different. Everything is a bit democard. And now we have the opportunity to take in Jordan. And I was like, Lord, it's not a good time. <laughs> we're not even parents, really. We're just like taking in, we're taking care of someone. And I got to the verse where it says the Israelites arrived at the Jordan in the time of flood. And I was like, okay, God, that's, that's, that's too clear. Thank you. <laughs> if it's still a bit murky, then you can sort of go around it. But that was just like, and God said, you know why? Because the time of flood is a great time to enter the promised land. We don't have to wait for things to settle down. We don't have to wait for things to be perfect. We don't have to wait for freedom to come, for your ship to come in, for you to win the lotto, to get that job, to find the perfect spouse, to be happy. You can enter the promised land in the time of chaos, in the time of flood. In the worst time of the year, the Israelites went into the promised land. Why? Because God went with them. Amen? God puts the solitude in families. God loves to bring change. And He always brings change for good. That's where He restores and revives my life. He opens before me the pathways to God's pleasures and leads me along in His footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to His name. Think about others as more important than yourself. It's difficult. In fact, carnally speaking, it's impossible. But we are to be heroes who think of others as more important than ourselves because the one in us is the true hero who considered us when he hung on a cross. Hebrews 12 says it beautifully. He says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured. How many Christians are willing to endure? You see, there's a popular Christian crescendo or echo around the world that it's all about you. It's about your money. It's about your happiness. It's about your life. The abundant life is not about you. The abundant life is God wanting to flow in you and through you. John 10.10 10 in the Passion Translation says, Until you overflow. Not your things. Not your bank account. The Spirit in you. Because out of your belly, God wants to flow rivers of living water. Some people, some children are going through dark valleys. Born into unfortunate situations and circumstances. Some of us. I know some of the stories, obviously, in this room. But God wants to take you through that valley. He's going with you every step of the way. According to Psalm 23. 
He says, He remains close to me and you lead me through it all the way. All the way. If you're in trouble, keep on walking. If you're in difficult circumstances, keep on walking. Why? Because God doesn't just take you into it. He takes you through it all the way. And even though the outcome might be unexpected, I promise you it will be good. Because God is good. God is love. And God is for us. Amen. As a church, this is what we're called to do. We're called to move closer to those in need, not away from them. And again, just a short video for you to, to get that understanding. James 1.27, where it says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. You know, this is an interesting verse because it's often referred to as a command, as a mandate, when in fact it's actually really not. There's no command. This verse isn't telling us to do anything. It's actually describing something for us. It's describing something really beautiful for us. And so let's pick it apart just real, real quick here. Here's what it's describing for us. This is seminary, by the way. You take really fine verses and you, you mark them up and X them out. and It's a lot of fun. And here's why. Because it just helps us to see underneath the surface of what we're reading. So that word religion there isn't our word religion. It's not like cathedrals and steeples. This word religion literally means an outward display of something that's inwardly true. And that's what we're talking about here, an outward display of the gospel, which is inwardly true in us. And so James is now describing one of the purest and most undefiled outward displays of the gospel that this world will ever see. Sure. You want to put the gospel on display with great vividness and clarity and purity? Then visits or move, step towards, get involved with. This is a hard one. Because the world we live in says avoid hard and broken things at all costs. Insulate yourself from them. Isolate yourself from them. Move across town. Structure a life where you can live out the rest of your days pretending like hard and broken things do not exist. True. And then James says, how about, how about we be a people who move and step towards and get involved with the most vulnerable in our society. He uses orphans and widows, again, as representatives, as descriptives of that. Because in his culture, orphans and widows, the husbandless and the fatherless, were considered to be the most worthless. And so he's using them in really a profound way. If you were the audience of James at that time, and you heard James say one of the purest and most undefiled ways for us to put the work of God on display is to get involved with orphans and widows, there would be a collective gasp in the room. What? Really? Them? Them? Yes. The most vulnerable in our society. That's our people. That's where we go. That's where the gospel is put on display with a vividness and a purity unlike anything else. And so we could argue very easily that homelessness and incarceration and trafficking and the struggling neighbor across the street, if we were to go to James and say, James, you didn't mention any of them, he would say, yes, I did. This is, just, this is representative of the most vulnerable in society, that we would be a people who move and step towards and get involved with them. Because when we do that, it puts the work of Jesus on display in pure and undefiled ways. So the applications of this, the implications of this are pretty clear. That one of the purest and most undefiled demonstrations of the gospel is to see hard places and broken people and move towards them, not away from them. This is what James 1.27 is suggesting. That you and I would become the kind of people that say, I see you where you are, and I'm coming after you. And when we do that, 
people around us say, gosh, why are you doing that? You're supposed to insulate and isolate. Why are you doing that? Why are you purposely stepping into hard and broken places? Why would you do that? Your family will look at you like you're crazy. Your friends will look at you like you're crazy. Your, your mother-in-law will look at you like you're crazy, right? You'll look in the mirror sometimes and say, hey, you're crazy, what are you doing? And you're right, it's crazy. It's crazy that God would do this for us. And it's crazy it's that he would then invite us and give us the privilege to step in and do the same for others. It's crazy. It's crazy. Let's watch crazy love. Amen. That's exactly what God did for us. Jesus left heaven, stepped into a broken, difficult, dirty place so that he could save us. And now we're no longer here. We're seated in heaven. And now we get to help others translate into that space. Again, it's not about us going out now and just running rapid. It's about you experiencing the love of God. It's about you realizing what Christ has done for you. It's about you receiving that love until it overflows. It's about you letting God love you. Amen. Won't you stand, close your eyes. I want to close off the service for us. Father, thank you. That we have the gospel. That what has changed us has the power to save others. That what has saved us has the power to, to change others, Father. And right now, I just want to invite you to just speak to our hearts right now. Just speak to our hearts right now. Where you are, just get quiet and, and, and hear, listen intently. And I will believe the Holy Spirit is going to say to you, you can call Him Daddy. You can call Him Daddy. You are loved. You are the beloved. You are the one I died for. And I believe there's some of us in the room who say, but if that is true, why these issues? Why these struggles? Why these difficulties? Why this heartache or rejection? Why haven't I seen my healing? Or why haven't I seen what I've been longing for? Why haven't I seen the fulfillment of what I hoped? And there's many reasons, but none of those reasons are God. There's many reasons because we live in a broken world. We live in a place where people make decisions and where people put stuff in our food that we don't know it's there. And, and, and there's many reasons, but it's not about that. There's one reason, and that's Jesus. There's one God and His love. He loves you. And He wants to not just love you, He wants to love through you. So right now, if you've never really given over to that love, if you've never really experienced that, that oneness with God, if you've never really been encountering and said yes to doing life with Jesus, I want to just give you the opportunity right now. This is not an emotional decision, please, because this changes the rest of your life. Someone asked a, a, a famous minister after a crusade, he said, how many people 
got saved. He says, I don't know. He says, what do you mean? Didn't you raise hands or give out confession cards? Or He says, no, we did. He says, but what do you mean you don't know? He says, I don't know, because we'll see. He says, what will you see? He says, if you've given your life to Jesus, it will be visible. We're not asking you to give your hand to Jesus. We're asking you to invite Him into all of who you are. To take you in your mess with your brokenness and to let Him love you in this moment. You see, first we need to allow Him to step into our brokenness. To heal us, to restore us. And when He does, only then can we co-labor with Him and step into the brokenness of others. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.